welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program as we have a special guest returning for the third time. And are you ready for this? Uh, Julia Ivey is returning uh, for the third time just this year alone uh, because this topic, this subject in general, is it's that important in my opinion. And I'm sure Julia would agree. Julia, welcome back uh, uh, for the, the trifecta, as it were. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. And yes, I am uh, excited to be here in your program. Yes, it's a third time. And even the name of the program, it's so right. I think it's so perfect match with what I'm trying to tell. I'm trying to tell my story and I'm trying to help other people to help their stories. That's why right. I'm to be at home in your program. Well, I, I, it's wonderful to have you uh, at home on our program and to talk about this. You have a, um, a website. You've got a book that's out there uh, as well that we've talked about in the last couple of programs. And we're just going to continue our conversation in that regard. Now, you also have, uh, from an educational standpoint, you have PhDs in both psychology as well as, is it just management or business management? It's a, uh, it's a business management, but my specialization is a strategy, innovation, and entrepreneurship. I feel sometimes like I have mine, my PhD. I don't, not, not literally, I don't have any piece of paper that says it, but I feel as though I get it when I interview people such as yourself on all of these various subjects to try to help to make this a better world, to try to give people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. And that's really kind of what we're talking about here because what you are talking about isn't just for business. This isn't just for uh, writing the perfect resume and getting hired in your perfect job with your perfect employer who, interestingly enough, might be you. You might be the employer. I don't mean you, Julia, but the person listening may say, you know what? I don't want to work for someone else. I want to work for myself. I want to do, uh, I want to do what I want to do. And th so this, this, this is extremely important in these days when not just having to be sheltered at home or staying at home, maybe you've lost your job because it shut down because it couldn't sustain itself for whatever reasons. And I remember back in 2008, 2009, maybe uh, I think we talked a little bit about this. I seem to recall that the entrepreneurial spirit just went nuts following that economic turndown. Well, we're having something similar. There are some people are even saying this is even worse than, and, and I don't necessarily feel that way, but everybody's perception is different. Talk to us a little bit about, let's start with, this whole entrepreneurial aspect uh, and why and how someone should decide to go in that direction as opposed to find a job with someone. Every crisis, like major crisis, what we have right now, uh, inject this energy for entrepreneurship. And it works from the push perspective, people just lose their jobs, but also from the pull perspective, because the market changing so fast. And there are new places for us kind of come out from this 
change. That's why right now it's actually a perfect time to craft your space in a job market. And while it's kind of similar to previous uh, challenges of the market because entrepreneurial boost, but also different because of technology. So right now, the very idea of entrepreneurship become easier than it used to be and more doable by everybody because of the gig economy. You don't have to really raise, I mean, billions of dollars to start your business. You can start your business literally in your own uh, basement and uh, succeed if you have the idea. At the same time, it's different from the previous times because the market is crowded right now. Mm -hmm. Unlike the previous time, we have to be multidimensional. Just to become one more accountant who launch your own tax report small business as it used to work in 20 years ago in previous you know, market, I doubt that it would work right now. One more consulting or one more training company of Julia Ivy, one more podcast of Richard or et cetera, et cetera. We already have wonderful Richard, wonderful Julia, wonderful accountant company. We already have this. So people who are trying to do right now to shape their own space in the job market must start with the definition, what is special about me? What is different about me? And this is what I call multidimensional, multidimensional professionals, uh, which I strongly um, encourage people to think beyond one profession. So we all have some profession, accountant, professor, I mean, radio, mm -hmm. dancer. But this is what put us in the crowd of people who can define ourselves similar. What makes us different is that plus to this definition, we also bring in our previous experience and say, I am not just a, let's say, accountant, but I am also from, in past life, I also have experience of raising three kids in my, as a homeschool. So I do have this experience of navigating online environment, but also I am quite good in cooking. So in past, we would kind of keep this home stuff apart and just be accountants. Right now, for people who lose their job or who just want to be true themselves, you know, who have their jobs, but they kind of fed up of playing somebody's game. They want to play their own game. They should start to define, the, elucidating their own core, which is multidimensional. And the vast majority of us are multidimensional if we really allow ourselves to be multidimensional. But the fear keeps many people from being multidimensional, especially those maybe who have held a particular job in a particular company or factory for several decades. Uh, maybe it's the family business. Uh, maybe it's 
the family career, not so much business. It's like, okay, well, my grandfather was a miner and my father was a miner, so I will be a miner. To do something else other than mining, they have no clue as to how, let alone where to start if they were going to become multidimensional. Um, yeah, and it's, because all they know is mining. And this is what they think they do. Mm -hmm. First of all, I would tell them, don't cancel your mining part of your multidimensional. This is one of extremely important of your dimension. Make a list where mm -hmm. uh, in mining would be the point number one, item number one. So what would be the item number two? Maybe that you are good in sport. Item number three, that you are good in something else. What, when I work with my clients, I tell them that your list must have 10 items and you just cannot stop until you put 10 items. And each item must have only one characteristics, only one dimension that somebody potentially would pay for this somehow. So it might be babysitting, it might be writing papers, it might be cleaning houses, it might be drawing the, you know, the art or some cooking or anything else. And when people make this list where again mining what they did for the whole life in three generations would be point number one, but they have nine more. And then I, we evaluated all of them through two criteria. Criteria number one is how good you are in the crowd of people like you. And we evaluate this from one to 10. So 10, I am perfect. I'm the best in the crowd. I am just on the top of the game. And zero would be, you know, like one, you know, I kind of can do this, but I understand that I'm not strong. So when they evaluate all of them, I, then I ask them to imagine themselves in their happy place, like where they envision themselves, like in 10 years and five years, and like in, envision themselves like as a happy place. And then we evaluate the same 10 criteria, the same 10, 10, uh, 10 dimensions through the criteria of how helpful this particular um, competence in the path to this happy self. So when they do this simple envisioning exercise, they actually arrive to a minimum of three characteristics, three competence. There's a kind of, they are not so bad. And also they are in the way of going forward. And then we just play with these three criteria, three characteristics, trying to define who you are. And this is a uh, mindfulness exercise where you just try to, you know, to be in your sandbox. You define your own, your own space. And this is a kind of cool exercise, which is extremely empowering for people. And they look at this and just like, hmm, yeah, I am a miner. Yeah, I am in mining. Who is da, 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 da. So this is what we do as a step number one. In this moment, 
we unleash huge energy inside of these people before being helpless before they kind of started to feel empowered they feel that hmm, i am actually quite cool i am actually have something what differentiate me from others and this is what i suggest people to do this exercise who can help them first of all they can do it by themselves but more and more adult education colleges start their programs uh, with this kind of career orientation and right now i'm working with these colleges to provide them with these um, instruments bh instrument to help people like you just described to start doing these exercises we're talking with uh, Julia Ivy. Uh, she is uh, here to talk to us about uh, not just finding, again, the perfect job, the perfect employer and all those types of things, but even maybe finding uh, the right place to live, the right place to get an education, the right place to maybe uh, start a family and those types of things, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Because I think all of these rules tend to apply in that regard, that we have to be self-evaluating, if you will. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is that we've got, first of all, to take an assessment of our abilities not our lack of ability, but our abilities, our capabilities, our skills, uh, our skill sets and so forth. Uh, you know, I mean, and sometimes it's going to take a little while to really process that because we've never done that before. We don't realize. I, I remember um, some years ago when I had filed, uh, when I was, um, uh, I was looking for a part-time job to, to supplement uh, the lack of income before we moved here to Santa Barbara. And so I went to this uh, temp agency and they gave me this test. And they said, we're going to sit at this computer and we're going to give you a test to see how well you do uh, with the program Word, Microsoft Word. And I'm sitting there looking at that thing going, well, I've worked with the program many, many times, you know, I, but I don't know. I mean, who knows what they're going to throw at me? I aced it. I got 100%. I couldn't believe it. And this is one of the things that I think people don't quite understand is that there are certain skills that people aren't even aware they have, that they've developed maybe in the course of being a minor, you know, uh, maybe personality, like you were talking before, that scale of one to 10. Maybe they've got great personality skills. They get along with just about everybody. They're able to, uh, maybe they had a leadership role. Uh, with the group of uh, men and women, maybe that they took down into the hole, so to speak, and into the mine. Uh, and they were able to, uh, uh, you know, be that kind of um, manager, if you will, in that, in that crisis context. management. If they work in yeah. the miners, they know how to manage crisis. And yeah. the high demand right now uh, competence, they can put it as a point number four in their list that I'm not just a mine in mining, but I am also in crisis management industry. But I'm also in people managing this uh, industry. But I also emotional comfort. I'm almost in counseling when I have these 10 people around me in underground. And I know mm -hmm. to keep them, you know, uplifting. I know how to encourage them. Huh, maybe I'm in a counseling business as well. So these kind of 10 items come out quite powerful for people and 
we unleash again this dormant energy what each of people have because multidimensional professionals these are people with a huge energy inside all we have to do unleash this energy and then everything happened when we unleash this energy and this is a step number one and sometimes it can be very scary for some uh I am now diving into video. I, I, I told myself I wouldn't do that. I had no interest in it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet now I am doing just that. I'm working with uh, some, some uh, director and some actors to produce Zoom theater, as it were. Uh, and, and we have to do the equivalent of uh, stage blocking, you know, in terms of, okay, which way are you going to look and so on and so forth? Or are we going to do it speaker view? And then you're just going to address the camera when you deliver your lines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I have to take that video and I have to put an introduction, a little music interlude with the credits, the title of the play and the director and so forth. And then at the end of the end and then the credits for the, uh, uh, the cast and so forth. I've never done this before. It's perfect there example. Are, it's yeah, but there are similarities. Perfect. Yeah, there are similarities between that kind of editing and audio editing. I'm just, uh, now I'm dealing with both audio as well as pictures. Yeah. yeah. And again, We're talking with areas, like uh -huh. using your example, through this, your 30 years experience of being a radio uh, host of dealing with people like me and all multiple, multiple people who come there in your program, you know how to talk with people. And this is, would be item number three. You know how to, you know, kind of relax your... Uh, your host, you know, like your guest and make them tell their story. So this is exactly multidimensional classification you have. And then you pick up several, which really bring you to this next level and you define yourself in a different way. So right now, like if you're talking about your example, you can redefine yourself differently, elucidate your core. Then anybody ask you, like, Richard, what do you do in your life? So instead of providing previous definition of you, you can shift to a new definition, which must be crispy, short, and very much on point. And this is when the energy started to release. You know, I've had other jobs other than radio. Uh, I worked um, for a short, for about a year or so in a warehouse. Uh, and I was one of those who wore the uh, computer headset and belt with the computer and it was wireless. And we would go throughout the warehouse and uh, we would pick the product that was in the particular order for the, the client who was ordering it. It was a warehouse full of light bulbs. And I remember asking myself, though I enjoyed the work, it was kind of fun because I was still working with computers in that respect. Uh, it was physical. Uh, it was demanding from the standpoint of the weather. I mean, there, there's no way to keep a warehouse uh, unless it's somehow sealed 100% cool in the summer. And this was in Arizona or warm in the winter. Uh, so you had to dress accordingly and so forth. And I used to ask myself, what in the world does this have to do with broadcasting, which I want to get back into? But I had to deal with my coworkers and my, our employer. Um, it gave me the opportunity to do something a little different, which was kind of fun. 
um, to challenge myself, especially at inventory time. Nobody likes inventory. Nobody. But at the same time, you know, there we were at inventory time having to count these light bulbs. And we're talking about light bulbs down to the size of a grain of rice, up to the size of something that might go inside of a lighthouse. I mean, these were big. And but if you're a career consultant, I'm listening to you. I'm asking myself, what kind of competence you actually really developed in this wonderful work? And I would... My hypothesis is, and it might be wrong, please correct me, that it was a competence of organizing the space. And look at your video production, you know, you feel the space, you feel the size of something tiny or something huge, where the light comes, how the space would be managed in a hot temperature, in a cold temperature, etc. So organizing the space becomes extremely important competence and you got this working on this warehouse so it will be your item number six maybe organizing the space and managing the space and i'm positive that so many employers would love to pay for this competence well i have to say that i am there's no question i am an organizer uh, from the standpoint uh whether it be uh, physical things such as uh, um, uh, my books that I've gathered over the years, including yours, uh, which, by the way, we should uh, we should actually mention the title of that book uh, so that people can uh, get a copy of it. We want you to check out Julia Ivy as well as the book Crafting Your Edge for Today's Job Market, and it's going to be using the important is a website. Yes, website. Yeah. B-edge.com. Yes, B-edge.com. For uh, basically, it's a method for consulting, uh, uh, consulting cases and um, capturing uh, uh, projects. It's to me, it's fascinating when sometimes we we can't see when we're in the midst of it. The benefits, as like I said, I used to ask myself this question, what does this have to do with broadcasting? I work for a multi-level marketing program where in addition to producing their product, which was an audio cassette that went along with a booklet, um, I was also handling fulfillment. I was uh, putting the tapes and the booklets together in the envelopes and then putting the address label for the customer on it and so forth and so on. And I would ask myself this question, but then I f it finally clicked. I may not see it now, but I might see it later. So don't even have to worry about whether this has anything to do with what I really want to do. Just go through and learn it, get the skills, who knows. And then there's, there's one other aspect of this process that I, I learned very early on, that I never wanted to just hold on to that information. In other words, the skills that I learned, I didn't want to hoard. I wanted to share them with every other employee because what I realized was that if I didn't, A, I would get stuck, and B, I wouldn't be able to pursue other possibilities. And to me, that's, to me, that's extremely important. And I know a lot of people, they get very territorial, don't they, about their position. Yes, and also you just pointed out so important uh, avenue for what these people who just helped to 
uh, elucidate their core. Let's say they define how good they are. They define their new core and they feel so encouraged with this. But what do they do next? And you just met exactly what they do next. They can volunteer. They can define their core and then outreach the organization of uh, their target. They see themselves working in this organization or the industry and just say that I'm passionate with this idea. I'm passionate with this, my core. And I ask you permission to do consulting case or to do a project for your company, which I can use in future for my resume. You have zero risk. They say like, okay, but do we have to give you all secret information? And you can say, no, the information only you need and only not more than one hour of your time. I will do all heavy lifting by myself, but I'm really passionate with, about this. I'm really driven with this idea. Would you please allow me to try? So this is where a miracle happened. This is, would be the second step where these people in their new kind of role take ownership for their own path. And this is what you just mentioned when you share your information, instead of sitting on this, you trying to understand this organization and then to help this organization. And back to the story, last time we talked about East Boston as a neighborhood in Boston where we can, in every large city, we have several neighborhoods like this because it's a first uh, disadvantaged community historically for this or that reason. And it's a very ethnically rich and not not rich, you know, financially rich, but ethnically rich. And second, it's located close to downtown. So millennials moved in. So my idea is what I am trying to do right now to give a chance for these millennials to come to these local businesses through with the help of the city of Boston and tell them that I want, I see myself, I envision myself as somebody who would combine IT industry because I'm good in IT plus music because I'm passionate with music, but also maybe, you know, cooking because I'm good in this. I tried to combine these three of me with something new, what would be my space in the market. Could I please work with your restaurant of telling your story and thinking how my unique combination of capabilities might help. Mm -hmm. So this is what my uh, passion right now, it, to help connect these millennials who are affluent, educated, extremely smart, extremely driven to make difference, and these local businesses which need help. So all city of Boston, will have to do, and I have a great support from city of Boston right now, is just really connect them because this is all they're going to do. But then when millennials will do their project for local businesses and local businesses will enjoy this, we also bring industry experts to evaluate these projects. And if this project is really good, this is how this millennial will shape their space in the job market. So for your listeners, after they do their exercise on who they are and elucidate their core, 
dimensional core, I would suggest to volunteer and make their case to shape their case, make their case to shape their space in the industry. And thank you for mentioning my book. It's a self-consulting instrument, how to make it happen. Yeah. I like that. Make your case to shape your space. That is uh, really, really, uh, I think it's, it's something that um, over the years, and, I, and, and, and again, we're not just talking about the job itself. I've even taken that to the extent of, uh, of the, the space in which I work. I've taken on an initiative to my boss's consternation sometimes, but he appreciates it, uh, to try to make, make improvements within, within the building. Um, we have, uh, for example, uh, we have um, uh, these, these foam this foam padding that they put on the walls as soundproofing to help to deaden the sound a little bit so that it's not so echoey uh, when you're moping the mic and you're talking with people and so forth. Uh, well, this stuff is 15 years old and it's now starting to fall off the wall. It's, it's flaking onto people when they rub up against it. and all. It's a mess. So I went ahead and I purchased some inexpensive square foam padding that I put in a checkerboard pattern on the wall. And um, he came in one day and he said he appreciated my initiative. And I said, well, you're with that statement, you're, but you're also saying that you're not real happy with it. I says, well, what would you have preferred? He says, well, I would have preferred single sheets to replace the single sheets that are up there. And I says, he says, but unfortunately those things run two and $300 and we have 11 of them, 11 of them in the studio, in that one studio. And, uh, uh, you know, so, you know, he wasn't 100% in favor, but he certainly wasn't upset or angry because he was glad that at least uh, somebody was trying to make a difference. And I wanted to surprise him in that regard. I wanted to show him that it was, uh, this, this was necessary because we needed to spruce the place up because these just looked bad. And I learned many years ago that regardless of what the industry is that you're in, Presentation is everything. Talk to us about taking on that mental attitude, not only presentation of your company, but presentation of yourself. And uh, absolutely. Back to your story, like may I criticize a little bit? I think you were too fast with your brilliant ideas. The idea was brilliant and you make it work. But between you bringing together your competence in sounds, sound management, in space management, everything what you know and how it works and how it looks. This is part of, uh, I think, part of the process that people have to go through. Uh, like you said before, crisis management. I mean, this is, for him, it's a crisis, you know. Uh, for <laughs> for me, you, it's, it's a management, you know, right? Yeah, for me, it's management, you know. <laughs> and I wish that I could train him, but he's like in his 70s, He's set in his ways. We're lucky that he actually does the computer stuff. You know, we're lucky that he's, he's, he's doing that for, uh, because he's, he's the one who would much rather be reading his news stories directly from the newspaper. Or if we were to print out the news articles on paper, which we used to do uh, from the different sources, uh, he would prefer that, you know, just because that's the way he is. He's old school, as they say maybe we can continue this interview by talking about this particular uh this particular incident where 
you know, you, you get a call from someone and they're having problems and Maybe, you've got to solve their problems. If you don't, yeah, but also I really like your story about soundproofing of the, uh, of the studio. Of the studio? Uh -huh. Yeah, and honestly, you skip one step. And this is a great example of how we can move forward to really shape our space. In like right now, it might be the space of you uh, be in charge for you know making this innovation in uh, renovation, innovation in the entire let's say building, and maybe to become one of those experts in a sound slash video space organizing for uh, uh, for audio and video recording. Just imagine, like, if you see, again, it's if you envision yourself, like, is an expert in, uh, in the industry, that whoever right now wants to make their home studio, they know that Richard is the guy. And he knows how to make this home studio whatever space is this, uh, working, you know, like as a working place, soundproof, good on Zoom, etc. good sound, everything. Let's say, just yeah. imagine that if Richard or whoever have this envision, then it was a perfect case that what you did for the boss. Is it fine? Now, yeah. So I actually thought about it for quite a, quite a long time as to whether, first of all, I know that I wanted to do it, but I wanted to, again, uh, surprise him, but I knew that I was taking a risk doing that because he might disapprove completely. I mean, he might've said, no, take it down. Um, but at the same time, I thought, well, it needs to be done. He knows that this stuff is really old and it's literally, it, it was falling off the walls. The glue was that old. So I, I went ahead with it as a surprise. And sometimes that can, that can be a big risk for some people because there are some people, some employers, they don't want you messing with their space, right? So yeah, but you, it's you the same to... as when you are, you know, when you are grooming a woman, right? So it's right. exactly the same. You still want to surprise her with, let's say, proposal, right? Or with idea of vacation together. You want to surprise right. her. However, you first want her to become ready for this surprise. Otherwise, it might just go not in the way you hoped it would be. So the point is after you elucidate your professional core and you decide what you want to do with your life, the second step uh, is a social energy. You have to unleash social energy between, between you and him and uh, kind of become us together. So you kind of hold on a little bit with your idea, but instead you ask, you tell him that, you know, like, I have a background in this, this, and that, and I'm wondering how we can do maybe some soundproof based on my previous experience. Wouldn't you mind uh, if I kind of do my research a little bit and investigate the situation? I don't know what comes out of this. 
But I just like, it's volunteering. I don't ask you for paying me. And this is how you start grooming him. When he actually in a week will ask you like, hey, Richard, so what is any ideas? And you're just like, by the way, this is your. You see, so it's a one more step. And in my methods, BH, it's a DH, develop trust. Mostly it's about, you know, glued with each other. It's about social capital and just making him groomed. And then you offer your solution. Well, I'll tell you. So it's the same as dating. It's really nice. It's, a, it's yeah. the same as dating. Yeah. yeah. So well, you, we can just look somebody who we like. And we just say like, hey, girl, why wouldn't we do this? And she would say like, no, thank you. Or we can take our yeah. time and really develop trust, develop relationship first. And it doesn't have to be long. doesn't. Mm -hmm. But then she asks you like, hey. Well, that is one of the beautiful things that I have developed over the years, especially when one stays in one place for a while, you develop relationships, you know. So you see the point number nine in your 10 points would be managing uh, elderly employees. And I must say this is in a very high demand right now. Especially considering the attitude of many employees um, in regards to, in, in regards to uh, the work environment, right? I mean, yeah. because they're working at home or they're working at their offices, but in a restricted fashion, right? And, and that's hard to get used to when you're used to a, a situation where, um, you know, everything is set the way you want it, all right? And, and I saw a news report not too long ago where they showed a, um, an office, okay? They showed an office that had changed for social distancing and they'd have they have markings on the floor and all this kind of stuff and they've separated the the employees from by six feet or more and that kind of stuff and and on and on and on and uh it's just something that you have to get used to and some people they can handle it change that's what i wanted to ask you about in regards to this whole process uh, it's the one constant in the universe, and yet it's the one thing that we have the most difficulty with. How does change play into the B edge? Very good. Very excellent question. So again, back to example, then somebody who is extreme. Are we in, on, on, on air already? Yes, we're recording. So um, back to the situation when somebody elucidated his professional core and knows that he can solve the problem of the building he is working. And if this problem is solved in this particular building, it's actually this person might become, might open a totally new career for him in the industry in much and shape his space in this industry. However, if he offers his ideas too fast, like let's do this, it will exactly challenge the change, the change dynamic of the company, of this manager, because the manager will feel might possibly resistant to these ideas. And first of all, who are you to tell me what to do? This might be attitudes. 
but also the second attitudes might be like, hey, I like your idea, but you have no idea what I have to deal with beyond this. So don't put more work on my shoulders. To avoid this, the step number two in BH methods is unleash social energy. The social energy of us together. Again, reminding that the step number one, we are unleashing our personal strat, uh, personal energy. It's like, I have a voice. I have my own space. I'm good, by the way. I'm not as everybody because I have my unique combination of whatever skills, whatever competencies I accumulated through the years of doing this, that, or that. This is a step number one. Step number two, it's unleashing the social energy. And I call this energy of us. So in this case, let's say if you are working with this boss for years, you are kind of done. You may skip it more or less. You just still have to a little bit groom this. You still a little bit kind of talk about the issue before suggesting. But let's say that you are trying to enter totally different industry for you or mm -hmm. totally in different um, market space to come and immediately pitch with your idea it's uh, too direct and honestly very often inefficient way it seems like faster but the probability of failure is much higher because they have their own resistance, because they have their own change dynamic, as you just mentioned. So instead, we want him to feel that we share the pain, we share the joy, we share the story. We want to tell the story of this company for him to feel that we are actually on the same boat. Mm -hmm. Back to example, like for instance, the example you gave me, yeah, maybe a little bit talk about the pain of no money, no mm -hmm. renovation. We really all want to do this job well. Everybody in the same boat, but there is no money. What can we do? Yeah. People sometimes just don't care about the, you know, the walls around them. What can we do? And kind of sharing this, what can we do? And sharing the pain really glue us together. And this is where they become more and more ready to you answer this question. What do we do? So what I do, I just come, or my clients do, or my graduates do, or veterans who I worked with do, who want to enter totally new environment for them, or unemployed people, or immigrants who enter in totally new environment. And very often they know what to do. They do. But I tell them, hold on, hold on. Like in a Braveheart movie. You remember mm. when he told like, hold, 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 hold. And this is what was strategically the rightest way to do instead of offering your ideas we are asking and listening we embedded together we just become the one so we write the case we tell the story of the company mm -hmm. we are learning their language we are learning their 
their pain. We are learning their arguments. We are learning the constraints because sometimes my idea might request funds which the company just don't have or it might undeliberately violate some norms of behavior which the company just not going to violate because it's their history or because the boss is i don't know like obsessed with this idea so on the second step in social step we really learning listening and telling story and we finish this story with a question so how can we do this we can do it maybe in cheaper way or we can do it in a more expensive way we can do it in the way that everybody do and we can just easily um, scale this to other offices or we can do it in a unique way for every office and this is where you stop until he asked like so tell me what do we do what is in your mind and this is where we offer a solution and this is where the step, step number three generate value so because we solve the problem and this is where we unleash the energy number three and this is a professional energy of like we did it the problem is solved how cool is this so these three energy must be together and they synchronize this newcomer somebody who wants to enter a new market maybe as entrepreneurial or maybe as an employee in a company sometimes the people want to work on a larger company which i understand regardless of this they have to synchronize their personal strategy social strategy and uh personal capital social capital and professional capital with the needs of organization one two three personal social professional personal social professional and this is e d g this is what we do and we're talking yes every single time absolutely we've got we've got to get to that point uh in our lives where we start we start that process and you can do that if you want to pick up a copy of uh, julia ivy's book and we encourage you to do so it is something that uh, i think that you will uh, gain greatly from uh, we hope that you will also go to her website and again that's beedge.com and find out more about julia i wanted to ask you um you shared with us uh, probably in the last interview or two about this but i i i know there are people that are listening tuning in for the very first time and i'm curious uh, if you would share with us a little bit of your background in terms of uh, 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 your life in Belarus and then of course what brought you here to the States to begin this wonderful process of helping the rest of us uh, to uh, to go through the to go through these steps that you spell out in crafting your edge uh, to, to make ourselves our workplace our relationships our families etc 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 better stronger if you will uh you know and and making our world a better place because to me what you're describing it it's doing it's going to do just that and when people start putting these steps into uh, practice so tell us about um uh your time in belarus and then of course what brought you here to the states so for professional i have a journey 
which actually I encourage people to do themselves for themselves. So my journey, I moved from the role of a teacher, which I was trained for as my uh, first degree. And I worked as a teacher, but not long time. Then I found that I'm much better in psychology, in psychology of counseling and working with people. And I wanted to be a psychologist. So I got a degree in psychology on top of this. But again, it's not about degree. It's about defining who you are. When I defined who I am and I define myself as a, a psychology through training, psychology through education, I just work hard to make it happen. So when I, I made it happen and I made this PhD, about reflection of significant choices of young adults and i investigated how people made choices and what it means for their um for their core who they are and how they project themselves on this market uh at this time soviet union collapsed and um i found myself in the market where if you are if you work on the schools, you literally make 10 bucks, $10 a month. This is mm. what life. And I had a choice to be miserable and complaining that environment changed, crisis is here, and I am so smart, so wonderful, and I invested so much in my education, and how wrong everybody and everything because they don't have me, you know, the glory of how glory, how wonderful I am, or to consider what else I can do in my life and uh, how I actually can capitalize on what I already know and maybe add something on top of this to make my multidimensional uh, space. Mm -hmm. So being already educator, trained educator, and being already, you know, quite well prepared for psychology, I started to work for the companies and my first work for the company was a, a sales coach. I coached people to do sales, but because you are in psychology, you know how to train people to communicate. And also if you're in education, you know how to deliver the message. And it became success. And I worked with one company, then more and more companies wanted me to work as a, a consultant and trainer in human resource management, in training, in leadership skills. Again, capitalizing on what I already did, it's psychology plus education, but also develop the skills on organizational development and leadership. Every project helped me develop the skills. And um, this is how I arrived to the level of uh, management through all these, through all these, you know, pieces. And then I was lucky to be in the right place in the right time and uh, with English and PhD. And again, <laughs> position. So it's not so important, honestly, your degree or your competences. It is important, but more your will, more your belief that it's you who own your life. Mm -hmm about soviet union it's not about america it's not about belarus it's not about ukraine it's not about latin america it's not about you are from small town or you're from 
large city from California or from Utah. It's, it's about you. So it's what you believe, what you are and who you are. And, uh, um, and I asked myself, what is my next me? And I saw myself at that time in a world level, in international level. And I envisioned myself staying in the large group of people, maybe conference, maybe students, I wasn't sure. And I was speaking to these people of different colors and different age, different countries. And I was one of those. And I knew what I was talking about. This was my vision. So I moved to the United States and I was here. And again, I worked hard. I started with education plus psychology and uh, organizational development. And I started to feel more and more that something else about me, what makes me unique. And this is about uh, understanding transition from point A to point B. Because if you've been in a country of transition, you know how to manage transition. You know this just because you are from there. And uh, um, just to make sure that I, uh, you know, I got one more PhD and now I have two PhDs, one in psychology and one in uh, management, business management, which is a strategy and innovation and entrepreneurship. And I did it just to figure out myself what I am and what I do and keep going, keep going and keep being in ownership of my own way. So this is my story. And on the way, I learned that I am much more interested in uh, case methods as a research and as a practice more than, you know, statistics and purely scientific you know, kind of methods, which is many, many researchers do. And surprising for me, every time when I did case, case writing, case methods, and I did it purely for publication at the beginning and for consulting, every single time the clients want me to keep working with them. Because when I learned about them, when I was learning their story for psychology, or for management, or for entrepreneurship, or for transition economy, for any topic what I was interested, I was listening to them and I asked them questions. And I really, honestly, sincerely wanted to understand their culture, their dynamic, their language. And I loved them, each of them. And this is what became for them irresistible because they ask themselves if they need somebody to work in this area and Julia already knows everything about us, why would I find somebody else? The competition became irrelevant and I became a choice, a choice one from one because they knew that they, they already bingo, they found already somebody who is so much into their uh, issues, who shared their pain, who shared their joy, who shared their language, who shared their stories. And this moment was aha moment for me, that case methods actually is the avenue for psychology and strategy. So if you combine psychology and strategy, and you need 
just a tool, a vehicle, to kind of drive you there. The vehicle is a case method. This is my story. You know, it's, it's interesting how people have, they've theorized um, what it must be like in other countries to live. Um, one of the things that I, I have a hard time with is people who will talk about how the United States is the greatest country in the world, and yet they've never lived anywhere else. And they have nothing to compare it to, and yet they will still make that statement. And it's like, I, I, I can't make that statement because I've not lived for an extended period of time. I visited uh, Ireland for two weeks at a time, twice. That's four weeks out of 60 years. That is nothing as much as I love Ireland. Um, and I'm, so I'm wondering, is, is that perception one that uh, many people, uh, whether it be Belarus, your home country, or other countries that maybe you have visited, is that an attitude or a perspective that they hold that the United States is the greatest country on the planet? It's the, it's the only country where you really have the opportunities that are available? Um, that are not available maybe in your own home country? Um, America is obviously my choice. So that's sure. why maybe, uh, you know, I would say, yes, America is the greatest country for me because it's my choice. But as we joked with you uh, before this program, that it's almost like choosing a partner. Your partner would be the greatest woman in the world for you, but somebody else would be the greatest partner for him. And it doesn't mean that one partner is better than another. And uh, um, so right now, Belarus is uh, in, present us an amazing, amazing story amazing story was going on right now. 26 years, it was the same dictator again and again. Why he was here for 26 years? First of all, because he was very supported by powerful Russia next door as a buffer zone for, for Russia. But also because our own people didn't have that energy, didn't unleash that energy what we just discussed to make their case, to shape Belarus as their space. Mm -hmm. And when it happened two weeks ago, I was amazed to see that how my concept was just almost step by step demonstrated how it might happen in the level of specific groups and specific countries. They, they first had to define themselves as we are Belarusians, we are people from Belarus, we are not slaves, we are not pouncing your game, and we are not squared, you know, like we do not sit in the same, you know, small square and do our job. It's very similar to people in organizations, like when people decide that, hey, I have a voice, hey, I am multidimensional, I am more than this job you just gave me, or space, 
you gave me. And this is what was kind of okay for 26 years for majority of people, because everybody had their own space, their own job, their own apartment, and it was okay. And only when it's unleashed, and unleashed because of this horrible election where it's just so fake, that people just stopped being okay with this. Then it moved to the next level of the social, social energy. People started to feel pain of each other. And people started to feel pain of the country. Which again, before it was kind of, hey, my work, this is my job, this is my place, this is what I do. And this is what uh, other people do and it's not my business. Right now it becomes, it is my business because we are together. And police brutality, it's unleashed this feel of us together because it becomes shared pain. When you mm -hmm. look at the you just cannot believe that someone did it for people next door or people from the country. And you feel anger, which unites this together as us, as us the something what one and uh, people started to share pain joy stories telling each other and this is what was social energy unleashed and now they are trying to move to the next level of professional uh, professional energy of making real change of making real something happened and uh, this is like generate value and i volunteer to do any what i can do and I write about this, I am, I am a voice there, and um, I'm trying to help. Back to your question with America. America is the best country for people maybe who just choose America for this or that reason. And I very much respect this choice for them. And people in Ireland would say, no, thank you. I have my choice, and this is my country. And uh, this is what I choose as the best place to live. The same is the United States, inside of the United States. Ask people from Boston, they would say like, of course, Boston is the best place to be. Where, you can, where else you can find this concentration of in intellect, you know? And people from uh, uh, California would say, thank you very much for your opinion, but I disagree. I lived in Alaska for eight years. Do you know this? I did. Mm. If you ask many people in Alaska, they feel sorry for people in California and in Boston for this traffic we have to deal with. And they <laughs> ask me, yeah, so like we feel so important. Oh, well, yeah, we're in Massachusetts. We are in California. We are in New York. And sometimes we feel almost like uh, arrogant to people in somewhere states in the middle of the country or some states were far from, you know, this center of universities, etc., like Alaska. And they feel sorry about them so often. So again, I feel the best place to live, it's a very subjective. And if you can shape your space in this area, this is the place, place for you to be. If play somebody's game or you're stuck there because you feel um, not enough power, that you have not enough power, that you have to start moving. And you have to start moving to the place where you feel home because you can shape your own space. It might be in your own small town, 
or it might be the time for you to move to a different space. It's what I did moving from Belarus to America, because at that time, my space I defined for myself as a global um, leader, as a global brand in my area. And yeah, I moved here. And after this, I worked in Australia. I worked in Vietnam. I worked in Spain. I got a degree in from England. I was in 28 countries. So it's not like I moved from one place of Belarus to one place to America and being local and local here. I define my space differently and I shaped my space through this area. But it's not about me, it's about our listeners. Each of them, when they define their space as belong to this small town, I deeply respect this choice, deeply respect. They just define this as a me and I encourage them to really use their multidimensional, unique profile to, to shape their boutique employability, boutique differentiation, boutique me. And this is what I really is driven for. It's an extraordinary story. There's no question. Everybody does have to find their favorite place to live. Um, and for, for whatever the reason is, mine right now is Ireland, just because of the people and the environment. It's just, I just can't get enough green. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's, that's for me, you know. Uh, some will argue about, well, what about the politics and the government and the this and the that? It's like, do you know that no matter where you live, you have to deal with all that kind of stuff or, or not? Some people choose not to and they just live their lives. Um, and so I find it so fascinating how we, you know, we have come through uh, to begin that process of sort of uh, making our case to define our space or to make our space, if you will. Uh, and it can be where you live or where you work. And this is fascinating stuff. Julia Ivy is my guest. And uh, we are so uh, thankful that she has joined us here on the program to share with us, of course, about her work and her book. Uh, again, the website, once again, is, of course, beedge.com. And also the, uh, uh, the book that she has available for you. You can pick up a copy of the book, Catch it, it's Crafting Your Edge for today's job market using the B Edge method. And that's for consulting cases and capstone projects. Um, that's an interesting way of putting that capstone projects. Um, it seems as though we are here in the United States in a transition period, whether you want to look at it from the standpoint of our, our the pandemic. Uh, whether you want to look at it from the standpoint of our, our government and our elections. Um, there are people on a myriad of sides, uh, uh, Julia, that they want a certain, they, they want the country or their region or their state or their city or their community to be a certain way. Um, and they come up with these ideas, these projects to help make that happen. I'll, I'll, and I'll give you a real quick case in point, and maybe you can elaborate on this. Because of the pandemic, as of course in most parts of the country, restaurants are suffering big time. 
here in uh, Santa Barbara, they have chosen to uh, allow them to reopen, but they have to social distance. They can't have them inside. So what they've done is they've taken our main street, which uh, by the way, has no parking. There's no parking on this main street. We call that state street. Now you can drive up and down it uh, and see the stores and the shops and the restaurants, but there's no place to park. You have to go to the side streets in order to park. So what they've decided to do is they make what they're calling these little parklets. That's the little term they've come up with. And what they are is uh, they're usually platforms that they make level with the sidewalk out into the street, not quite halfway, so that they can put tables and chairs socially distant so that they can have customers back again. And there are those who uh, are saying, this is great, and we need to turn the entire State Street, Lower State Street, where all of these shops and the tourist industry goes, into a promenade, okay? You'll still have the cross street so that you can go across the State Street, but you can't go up and down it anymore. There are others who do not want that. They say that's unfair. It's this, it's that, it's the other, okay? And... Um, so you have at least two diametrically opposed concepts for the way that they want the street to look. They want the environment to be. What is your um, perspective on dealing with something like that? And that's, that's a real material aspect. And supposedly to the economy, it's supposed to help. And and get people out of the house that's supposed to help, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, there's the risk of potentially spreading the virus. But what's your perspective in terms of uh, ideas that might be diametrically opposed or at least in opposition to one another um, and trying to make the space in which we live, work, and play amenable to everyone or at least to the majority of people, because we both know that you can't please all of the people all of the time. It's a wonderful question. It's exactly what we are doing right now, trying to do in East Boston. It's a perfect example, because all these ethnic restaurants, it's exactly what we are trying to deal with. And uh, the community is very um, condensed, so there is not much space even now to park. And in one case, we really want to help local businesses and local restaurants to survive and uh, to prosper. On the other case, people already suffering with no parking and no opportunity to, to drive even through. So where is the solution? My answer is to consider these two uh, boundaries, two dimensions as boundaries, not as a solution. Mm -hmm. so two boundaries. Boundary number one, it must be social distance. Got it. Boundary number two, people have to somehow travel through the city, somehow. Mm -hmm. And this is the boundaries. But leave everything else within these boundaries open. So we can add one more boundary that local businesses must survive. So three boundaries. Local businesses survive, restaurants in this case. Second, social distancing must be here. Three, people have to have ability to travel through downtown, through the downtown of Santa Barbara. What can we do? So based on what I 
suggest is to open this and ask people who live in Santa Barbara or who are in universities in Santa Barbara or anybody who wants to shape their space in industry. They do have the ideas. They do, which mm -hmm. we don't know. Somebody who used to be in the in a, uh, military, in Marine Corps, they know how to navigate the space. In a tiny space, they know how to navigate without even touching the walls. Okay, maybe this is one of the ideas they can bring together. The same person might have also different competence from, uh, again, from moving, working in a warehouse and moving bulbs around. If you know how to move bulbs, you know how to move people around. So the point is that the city of Santa Barbara must open the door for people to make their case, to, to tell, to, to figure out how to do this. Instead of providing this cut kind of solution when somebody always be upset. So mm. step number one, city of Santa Barbara or Boston or Chicago will tell, we want you to be multidimensional. We want your voice. And as more different areas you bring together, as more interesting would be your ideas. Please, please come here with your ideas. Please apply. And this is, would be step number one. And what city of Santa Barbara can promise these people that your ideas would be evaluated by industry, you know, leaders. And if your ideas is great, this is your shark tank. This is your chance maybe to get out of the unemployment, to get out of your boring jobs that you are suffocated, out of your life, and maybe to make your voice count. This is, would be step number one, what Santa Barbara must do. And open for application for people where they say, I am interested to try. I am interested to try to solve this problem, how local restaurants can bring all the people at the same time, social distance at the same time, without violation of uh, travel, you know, boundaries. Yeah. This would be step number one, when people started to apply, of course, we announce this, we, you know, communicate this reason, and we promise that your project will be evaluated by industry partners. And what we will do as, a, you know, as Santa, Santa Barbara uh, government, we will make a special edition of local newspaper or local publication of all these summaries of the best cases, and your name will be there. And you will how many people really jump to this case they do it for free but they do it because they shape in their space then step number two they choose one restaurant one one so if it would be me i would apply and say i am from belarus well we kind of know how to deal with you know limits of financial limits and our government regulations and everything else plus I'm in business plus, I'm a psychologist. I think I will try. This would be me. I choose one restaurant and step number two, I really trying to understand how this restaurant operates. I take my one week, two weeks, just listen to these owners, listen maybe to customers, 
listen to people who walk around and hate that they cannot park their car. I have to t ask minimum of five people from different areas and take their you know, ideas together and bring together my story of this restaurant. Also, how are the restaurants doing this stuff? So it will be step number two and step number three, I suggest solution for this specific restaurant, applying my background, and this is, would be step number three, generating value. Then I submit my ideas together with permission of this restaurant to the city of Santa Barbara. And Santa Barbara give all these wonderful ideas to industry partners, to industry leaders, and uh, um, award and make these ideas vocal and make these ideas people ideas. And this is how this synergy of these two energy of energy of people who really want to shape their space in this industry and the synergy of an energy of the city who does want to solve the problem. The synchronization will happen and everybody would benefit from this. Local restaurants have their stories told it's a very good for their brand development. It's very good for their uh, bringing more customers on board. Uh, they also have ideas. City of Santa Barbara have ideas how to solve these problems. And they just define these three boundaries and say like the project can be passed, can, will be absolutely welcomed with only three boundaries, social distancing, travel and businesses, that's it. And you would be surprised how many ideas would be solved because people have amazing, amazing background from mining. Yeah, so we do. <laughs> Going back to mining. Mine. Yeah, yeah. We don't even know what, how they can see this, but they have their own view how these companies and how this travel, you know, travel through the city might be solved because if you know how to do this travel, on the ground, you might find solutions which you have no idea here. Like when I was in Paris, yes, it was in Paris, maybe in uh, Amsterdam. I don't remember. But the point is, it was a river like in the middle of the downtown, like right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And like we have Charles River in, uh, let's say, in Boston or every city have their own rivers. At that particular moment, Part of this river was kind of like boundary here, boundary here, and no water. And I asked people around what's going on, and they showed me um, they showed me description of the project. Mm -hmm. What they do, they do a three-level parking underneath of the river. The river is here, and it will be there. So when they do this parking, they put water back to, uh, to the river. So from the city perspective, they are not taking any parking space from the street. They are not changing this environment from the street, but just imagine how great the solution for the parking right in downtown. And the uh, time frame for this project was like two years. And after this, this is a solution. Would I have the solution? No way, because I, I don't know. But somebody who lived in Paris or in Amsterdam, I don't remember, might actually come to Santa Barbara and say like, 
actually, when I traveled in Paris, this was the idea. Besides, I am the one who knows the navigation of all these underground mining, you know, operations. Mm -hmm. I can try to solve the problem. Just this is the idea which is like come out right on spot right here. Not because I'm smart, but because I was in Paris and not because he's smart, but because he was in mine. Not because of you are smart, but you worked on this warehouse with these bulbs. And you know, now you can move everything everywhere. So et cetera, et cetera. So your abilities to manage sound, to manage video, to manage space might be exact combination of skills. The Santa Barbara as a client needs to solve this specific problem if they open the door for you. And the door mm -hmm. vehicle is the edge. Yeah. And I call this boutique employability. And why you would do this? Because you care about Santa Barbara, right? It's mm -hmm. But also if you if you made this project for this restaurant and industry partners would treat your project. I mean, every city in the United States want to do the same. It's mm -hmm. a unique problem for Santa Barbara. It's a problem for all developed, very, you know, attractive for living cities. And uh, it might be your new career because it's special you. It would be your boutique employability. Right. And listeners, if they Google boutique employability, they will come to my website and find information about this. And uh, um, articles. Yeah in hr.com in steel uh, world in um, strategy driven they can find in my website where i talk about this again and again and of course that website is beedge.com uh, julia ivy has been my guest and uh, this has been a fascinating program that we encourage you to check out because um honestly uh, the whole you you mentioned something that I was going to dive into, but you 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 so well elucidated on it that I, I I chose not to go in that direction today. But you talked about choices, and that's what this program is about: giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. And nine times out of ten, and as you just described in in my example of our State Street uh, and resolving uh, those those issues, um, we don't know. With this pandemic, we don't even know what choices, I like to use the word opportunities as well, that are out there. I mean, when this whole thing started in early 2020, um, I was elated by the fact that we did something different for the first time. Uh, every other time in my 60 years that the influenza rolled across the United States, uh, other than when we got the flu shot, uh, we did nothing other than the flu shot. We didn't tell kids to stay home if they didn't feel well or parents, uh, adults who didn't feel well, stay home. No, go to work, you know, uh, man up and even the women, man up and, <laughs> and, and, and get through it and so forth. And of course, there's contaminating their co-workers and they're lowering the productivity of their companies and uh, reducing the class sizes and all of this kind of stuff. And this time we did something different. And I said, this is going to when we come out the other side, it's going to be a different looking 
other side than we've had ever before. Whether we like it or not, it's going to be different. But we could make it something that we like if we just grasp this time, these opportunities, some of which haven't even come up yet. But you and I both have seen, I'm sure you've seen uh, on news footage and YouTube and other places and even people that you work with who have come up with these innovative, creative concepts whether it's to help other people with masks and other PBE materials for the medical community, whether it's helping their neighbors, especially the most vulnerable, the elderly with getting food and this and that and the other thing. It's just incredible. And then even one of our very own here in the United States um, told us, told us, uh, showed us this, this uh, uh, device they called, I think it was something like the Sani Clean or Sani Card. And what it does is every retailer has one. And what you do is after they, you hand them their, your card and they run it through. Then they run this, your card, your credit card or your debit card through this sanitizer that cleans the card. And then they give it, and then you take it out from the bottom. They put it in through the top. You take it out through the, now your, your card is clean. Uh, you know, who knows if, 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 if the virus is transferable, but, you know, it seems to me like these kinds of concepts and ideas should have been around years ago. I mean, years ago, uh, instead of waiting for a pandemic, but doesn't matter, you know, no blame, no harm, no foul. We're coming up with them now. And that to me is so exciting. That is so cool that people are getting creative and uh, with your help, through your work as well as uh, the book that you have uh, that you have published that you've put out entitled "Crafting Your Edge for Today's Marketplace," using the B Edge method for consulting cases and and uh, capstone projects. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on the program again for the third time this year, ladies and gentlemen. She's I think you're the only one so far who's been back with us three times this year. Uh, as we, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, 2020, the year of perfect vision, where we're wanting people to go within. Um, can you really quickly, because uh, I'll tell you what, we'll save it for uh, a lengthier discussion, but can you just briefly talk about how important that is in terms of trusting our intuition in this process of the B-Edge method? It's amazing, but before even uh, COVID and before everything would happen, in January, in January, I published a paper which called 2020 is the year for boutique employability. Wow. I, I start, yeah, 2020, it was a December. I sent this paper in January 5 to the journal and they published immediately in January 6, 15. It was already published in, uh, in the journal. And they said like, yes. And the point is, you know, it's enough for us to try to fit somebody's box in somebody's job. And just to say, okay, you tell me what to do and I will do this. It's a squared box where we can squeeze, we can, and we know how to do this. However, it's like having a clothing which is not your size exactly, and it's not made for you, and actually the material is quite cheap, so you kind of cannot even move comfortably. So 2020 is a year of boutique employability when it's me and you and you decide what you are, 
who you are and what the space you want to shape for your space in the job market. And it's you who choose your employer because you volunteer for the employer you choose. It's not them who choose you. You decide who you are, then you choose the employer, then you outreach the employer, then you volunteer for the employer, and then you get the space you want to get. It's you and your power. And this is, I guess, this is what 2020 is about, the year of boutique employability. Well, I'll tell you what, the year of boutique employability uh, or the year of perfect vision, I'll take both of them, we'll combine them and, and make things happen. Again, I thank you so much and I encourage people to go to your website, beedge.com. We will be linked to your website so people can go there as well as get a copy of your book through your website or through Amazon and all of the other wonderful uh, locations that are available. And uh, again, uh, greatly appreciate your time and uh, I guarantee you we'll have you back because as we work our way through and out of this pandemic, I'm waiting and it'll, who knows how long it'll be before they say, okay, we're taking the label pandemic off. <laughs> um, and, and now we can sort of kind of go back to uh, whatever the normal is going to be. And honestly, I don't think it's going to look like it did before this began, simply because there are going to be certain elements that we will hold on to. I'm hoping the aspect of the cleaning process that people have gone through to make spaces safe will continue Someone said to me uh, just the other day, I heard this on the radio, actually. Someone said that uh, they have never seen gas station restrooms so clean. And I don't know about you, if you've ever been in one, they can be pretty nasty. Uh, but she says that she'd never seen them so clean, which is like, well, why aren't they all, why weren't they always clean? But now they're doing that. And it's a great thing. And I really appreciate your time. Is there a a final message on this program that you would like to impart to our listeners before we close the program? First of all, I want to thank you for inviting me. Yes, it's a, three times. And I'm, I enjoy this so much of being on this program and for you to helping uh, to deliver the message. So thank you very much. And, uh, and the very idea of tell me your story, I think this is what I want to be the last message that I want to deliver. That telling your story, telling story of your, and you telling story of organization you want to belong, this is extremely powerful, powerful, instrument you can use you tell your story and this is how you deliver the message about you but even more powerful and i encourage people to uh think what is your next place in your life and tell the story of that place and miracle happened i promised you the miracle happened you synchronized your story and story of the organization you are telling synchronize just keep telling stories Again, Julia Ivey has been my guest. We encourage you to go to her website and find out more about the work that she is doing and uh, get a copy of the book uh, that uh, we have been talking about throughout this program that uh, I think will go a long way to help you uh, in your transformational process. Just a reminder that uh, this program 
comes your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that folks are reposting our programs to. And I thank them. I thank you if you're one of them for doing that uh, because it expands our outreach uh, to help change the world for everyone and for an even better world. The world in which we live, in my opinion, is not a bad place that we need to get out of. It is a place that we can make better than it is today. And I think that this should be our goal for each of us. And also a reminder about 2020, the year of perfect vision, as I've already mentioned. And if you'd like to support the work that we are doing here, PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as mine are available to you so that you can um, support us financially and be a part of this wonderful work. I'd like to consider it wonderful work that we are doing here. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to love.